Hi there. You're listening to the Paralegals on Fire podcast show, where you'll be getting tips and actionable strategies that you can use right now to fast track your paralegal career. I'm your host, Ann Pearson, former paralegal and paralegal manager who left big law in the concrete jungle to start my own company, the Paralegal Bootcamp, where we give online courses that help paralegals make more money, increase their job security, and cut out the learning curve. All right, let's jump right into today's episode. I get this question so often from new paralegals who tell me they're just not comfortable around their attorneys. They're new to the paralegal profession, they're working for a senior partner, and they're just not the same person as they are when they're around their other colleagues. Nervous, fearful, whatever you want to call it. They want to know how to act more confident around the attorneys at work. Okay, so first, let me correct the wording there. What you really want is to be more confident around the attorneys, not just act like you're more confident. So I'm going to call this finding your confident voice as a new paralegal, or maybe as an experienced paralegal who just never found your confident voice. First, let me give you some reasons why you want to be confident around your attorneys. Your career could depend on it. What? No, don't say that. Now I'm even more stressed. Okay, let's start there. I'm not here to stress you out. I'm here to help you fast track your paralegal career. And building up your confident voice is a surefire way to do that. You're going to want confidence. You want to be able to speak with confidence for a few reasons. First, because one day something is going to go sideways on a project that you own. You're going to need at some point to speak up when something is going wrong, whether it's on a file or a project that you're responsible for or something else. And by having the confidence to speak up, you're going to save the attorney or the client money or maybe save them from a potential malpractice claim or just save them from getting a call from an upset client. Second, you might need to have a courageous conversation like what we talked about in the episode called Can You Fix Your Boss? where I interviewed Molly McGrath on the podcast. In this situation, it's about getting to the place where you're working as a team, a true team that trusts each other and you're continuing to grow as a team. Third, you might need to stick up for yourself when you're being treated poorly. All right, so those are just a few of many reasons why you want to have a confident voice. Let's break each of those down. But also stick around to the end because I'm also going to give you some tips on building up your confident voice to be able to have those conversations. The first one, one day something is going to go sideways on a project or a client file that you own and you have a potential solution to the problem. You know you should say something, but you're nervous. Or you fear that the partner in charge maybe won't handle it as well. Maybe you even worry that they'll blame you for it, even if it wasn't your fault. Or worse yet, it was your fault. None of those things matter. What matters is that you need to have this difficult conversation. Let's call it a sticky conversation. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're working on a big document review project that has a few hundred gigabytes of 
data that you have to review for responsiveness and you have to tag potentially privileged documents. A few days into the project, the attorney tells you that the client found more data and it's going to arrive tomorrow. You were already stressed out about how in the world you were going to be able to complete that project on time and now you've got all this extra work. If you don't have the ability to have confident communications with your attorney, then you buckle down and just plan to work 12-hour days and weekends and holidays. You're going to power through this project and do whatever it takes to get it all done. Now, don't get me wrong. Having an attitude that you'll do whatever it takes to get the job done is a great attitude to have as a paralegal. But you can't do it blindly and just hope and pray that it all works out. What do you think the result is going to be if you do that? Yeah, you're tired. You make a few sloppy mistakes. You miss some privileged documents. You cut a few corners here and there. And even with that, you're still running behind the day before the production deadline. And when the attorney asks if the production is going out the door, you break down and finally tell her that you're not going to be able to complete it on time. The attorney's upset with you really upset with you, not just because she has to call opposing counsel and ask for an extension. She's upset because this is something you should have brought to her attention last week when there was still time to do something about it. So let's rewind to when the attorney told you about those extra data uploads from the client. What could you do differently? Have the confidence to have the conversation with that attorney that you may not be able to meet the deadline. But that can't be the only part of the conversation. Present them with your own data. For example, you might say to your attorney, I'm averaging 60 records per hour. If I devote eight hours per day to this project for the next two weeks, and that includes some weekends, I'll be able to complete X number of records. That's already 2,000 records shy of what we had before the client uploaded those additional records. I can work 10-hour days and still won't be able to get it all done. Then present them with options. I could bring in another team member to help, assuming I can find someone to commit to at least four or five hours a day. If not, I could call a staffing agency to get some contract attorneys to help out. Another option might be to add on some software tool that's going to speed up the review, maybe using AI. Another option might be to narrow the scope of the review. This is what you're saying to them. I know you wanted me to tag hot documents and put specific records about issue X into separate folders, but those two extra tasks impact the amount of time it takes for me to complete each record. In fact, I did a test run of it today And I can actually get through 80 records in an hour instead of 60 if I cut out those two tasks. Now, this is all assuming you actually have run some of these tests. In other words, you're approaching this sticky conversation from a project manager's mindset. Think of a project manager on a construction site. I actually worked in construction litigation for many years, and I learned so much from how they managed construction projects. Do you know that any time there's a change to a construction project, they make the owner sign off on a change order? 
That change order notifies the owner of any additional costs and additional time that's associated with the change that the owner has requested. Now, are you going to make your attorney sign a change order? No. But you see where I'm going here. Be honest and tell them it might not be possible for you to complete the project given these circumstances. Don't try to be superhuman and think that somehow if you work enough hours and go without enough sleep, you're going to be able to get it all done when you can't. But run the numbers. Give them the numbers and then give them a couple of options to fix the problem. All right, let's talk about situation number two. You might need to have a courageous conversation like what we talked about in the episode where I interviewed Molly McGrath. That courageous conversation might be, hey, I think that I'm underpaid. I'm receiving phone calls from recruiters and I don't want to leave, but I also don't want to be paid under what the market says I should be making. And I don't want to start feeling resentful. And you do that before you go wasting all your time going out on those interviews that you don't really want the job for. Or before you spend your lunch hour complaining to your colleagues about how you're underpaid. Or maybe it's the courageous conversation that you're overwhelmed and you're stressed out because they just dumped 30 new claim files on your desk. And you understand they're short-staffed, but you're reaching burnout level fast. I see it on social media sites every day. You probably do too. A paralegal is legitimately overworked, burnout, and complaining online. She or he gets people in the community worked up for her or him, agreeing how unfair it is, and they're doing it to support the person. The problem is the attorney that you work for has no idea how close you are to burnout and potentially quitting. What if they did know and they wanted to do something to prevent that? Molly gave some great advice in that podcast episode. So instead of repeating it here, I'm going to suggest you go listen to episode 84. It was just a few weeks ago and it was called, Can You Fix Your Boss? Or better yet, because the podcast interview was only about a 50 to 60 minute kind of cliff notes or summary of what she talks about in her book, I'd recommend you buy her book. It's on Amazon for like $14 or $15 or something. She goes into a lot more detail in the book. The book is titled Fix My Boss. All right. The third situation that you might want to have the confidence for communication is when you might need to stick up for yourself when you're being treated poorly. Now, I hope you never have to deal with a situation like that, but I can tell you The worst thing that you can do is to not speak up for yourself in a situation like that. I had a podcast episode a while back, What to Do When Your Boss Yells at You, that was kind of along those lines. So I'd recommend that you listen to that. But even if it's just someone being demeaning or belittling, maybe they're not downright yelling at you, or maybe they're yelling at you in front of other people. I mean, that's a whole other level. But let's say for this example, it could even be a colleague, you know, someone who disrespects you, disrespects your time. Um, It could be personal even, someone who waits three weeks to return your phone call. Maybe if it's at work, they're just rude. First, let me give you a firsthand experience of my own. Early in my career, I worked for an attorney who had a bad reputation, had never treated me badly, but 
treated everybody around him badly. And everyone in the office would even say, how, how do you even work for this person? And I thought, he's like that with everyone else, but he's never like that with me, which was great. Until one day he was. <laughs> um, not quite as bad as he was with other people, but so we're in court and he thought that I had highlighted copies for case law that he was handing to the judge. And in fact, it wasn't me. It was the new associate who was also there in court with us. And the judge called him out for incorrect highlighting. And he leaned over in between me and the associate and said loud enough for all of us to hear, don't ever embarrass me in court like this again or I'll blah, blah, blah. And I can't remember all the other nasty things he said. I was seething. I was seething because I knew I didn't do it. The associate had done it. And the associate was just horrified. And maybe he was kind of glad that that he didn't have to take the, that kind of wrath. Anyways, we're leaving the courtroom and the associate and the partner are loading the boxes into my car. And I said, hey, I just want to tell you that if you ever speak to me like that again, and before I could finish my sentence, he said, I'm so sorry, Anne. I realized after I said that, that I had asked so-and-so to do the highlighting and that it wasn't your fault after all. And I said, even if it was my fault, nobody deserves to be spoken to that way. And do you know, he never did. He never spoke to me that way again. Now, I tell you that tale with a little bit of caution because I don't want you to do things that are going to risk where you're going to lose your job, right? But if you're working for someone who is literally making your life a living hell, I guess I can say that. <laughs> um, if you're working for somebody who is just making it miserable at the office, you have to ask yourself, are you letting them? Are you letting them get away with treating you like that? Because most of the time, well, first of all, those types of people are usually bullies and they have their own insecurities, right? They were probably bullies in school. And usually the way to call out a bully is to stick up for yourself and they will stop being a bully. So that's the third kind of sticky situation that you really want to have the confidence to speak up. You want to find your confident voice. And at the time, it feels like, oh my gosh, what if they fire me? What if this happens or what if that happens? Well, I guess I would think about it like this. Back then, I knew there was a chance, right? I'd only been there maybe six months or so. There was a chance, sure, that he could have said, you're not allowed to stick up for yourself, which that would have sounded ridiculous, right? You're not allowed to stick up for yourself. You're fired. Okay, well, if that was the case, that would have been the best decision because I would have what? By not speaking up, I would have allowed him to treat me the same way he was other people. And some of that treatment included throwing physical items at them. <laughs> so, yeah, you have to stop a bully in their tracks. And you do that by finding your confident voice. Okay, so three different situations. There are more, I'm sure, but I just wanted to give you some background. Now let's talk about how to gain the confidence to speak up, how to find your confident voice. First, look at what's preventing you from gaining confidence. It's usually fear the fear of speaking up and that something bad might happen to you as a result of speaking up. I have found 
over the years that our fear of not being liked, that's the biggest fear that a lot of us have. It's just a fear of not being liked. That's why we don't speak up when we should. We want to be respected and liked. And we fear that we might say something that someone doesn't like. So we just stay silent and stew inside rather than rocking the boat. And I mean, listen, this podcast show, this episode, it isn't about our health necessarily, right? The podcast show is about fast-tracking your paralegal career. It's not about health, but I can tell you with 100% certainty that if you're keeping all of this inside, stewing about it, and not getting it off your chest, feeling like you're resentful, you're feeling stressed, upset, your cortisone levels are through the roof, I can tell you with 100% certainty that your health is being affected or it will be soon. Okay, so what counteracts fear? Think about that for a second. Strength and courage. How do you get strong? Well, if you wanted to gain physical strength, you'd work out on a consistent basis. You'd lift more weights each and every time and you'd go to the gym consistently. You're not going to get stronger by going to the gym one time. You need to do it consistently. It's the same with building strength internally. Do it consistently. Did I have more than one confident conversation or find my confident voice more than that one time? You bet. Over all these years, you bet I have. But it was that first one. I promise you, it's the first time that you do it when you stick up for yourself or that first time when you have to walk into that attorney's office and say, I made a mistake and here's how I plan on fixing it. Those continuously will build up your confident voice. In one of her podcasts, Mel Robbins, I've listened to her podcast all the time, she talks about confidence. And in it, she said that confidence isn't an action and it isn't a feeling. She also said, interestingly, that it's not a personality trait that you're born with. Because most people would then look at me and say, well, Anne, you're probably just born confident. You know, most of us wouldn't have said that to the attorney, especially our first ever paralegal job. We wouldn't have had the confidence. So you must have been born with it. No, I wasn't born with it at all. But so Mel Robbins in that podcast had said, it's like people think if you're an introvert, you can't have confidence. And what she said was that confidence is the willingness to try. The willingness. Think about that for a minute. Confidence is the willingness to try. In other words, you don't even have to be successful at it. You just have to be willing to try and then take the action. We're heading into something at work and we need to have that sticky conversation with someone. You have to be willing to try to have the conversation. Doesn't mean it's a successful conversation. That's it. Be willing to have it. Go into work today and be willing to have a conversation even if you don't think you can. Here's the thing. Every successful paralegal I've ever met, every single one of them had the confidence to speak up in all three of the situations I just talked about. Did they have it on day one? Maybe not. I didn't. But you know what? It was that first conversation that built up my confidence enough to have 
the second courageous conversation, and the third conversation. Conversations where I'm walking into an attorney's office, a partner, equity partner, telling them things like, the way you want these judges' trial exhibit notebooks organized is not going to work, and this is why. And then later, have that partner tell other partners, when Ann tells you how the judge's trial notebooks should be organized, let her do it and listen to her. She knows what she's talking about. Now, that didn't happen until six or seven years in, but it would have never happened but for my willingness to have that first courageous conversation. All right, next week, I'm starting a new kind of episode that I may do once a month if I keep getting the number of questions that I've already received. I've received a lot of them. So we sent out an email to our subscribers and said that I wanted to do an Ask Me Anything episode. And so send in any questions that you have that are going to help you in your paralegal career. And I've looked at all of them, and I don't even think I'm going to be able to get through them in one episode. We'll see. I'll, I'll be recording it here soon. There are some really great questions. If you want to get notified of upcoming special episodes like that so that you can submit your questions, be sure to subscribe. You can do that on the Paralegal Bootcamp's website. It's paralegal dash bootcamp.com. And just scroll all the way to the bottom of the homepage and you'll see a section in the very bottom right-hand corner that says, get the updates and a spot to put in your name and email address. Then you'll get notifications and be able to submit your Ask Me Anything questions and get your questions answered in an upcoming episode. Again, that's paralegal-bootcamp.com. Or just Google the words paralegal bootcamp. And of course, we'll come up first in your search results. All right, I look forward to answering some of your questions. Have a great day. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening. And please take a quick minute and leave a review of the podcast and share this episode with just one colleague or friend who you think would benefit from what we discussed today. Share the knowledge and the entire paralegal profession elevates. See you next week. Bye for now.